When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Flushing is Burning. As always, I'm Grace. Um, a lot of stuff has happened this past week. Um, weirdly, a lot of stuff with the Mets. Um, some of which we knew was coming due to the end of the season. Some of which we guessed was coming but didn't know when or, or how it would happen. Um, so let, let's go in order of events. I think there's two main things we want to cover here. Um, on Sunday... Before the, the game, it was announced that Buck Showalter would be, and I'm doing air quotes here, I know this is audio only, but air quotes, stepped aside. Um, this was very clear that this would end up happening. Um, the hiring of David Stearns uh, foreshadowed this, and very infrequently do you see a baseball executive come in in the position that Stearns came into, which was um, the first ever Mets president of baseball operations, and not have his choice of who he wants the manager to be, right? He's coming into a situation where next year Buck Walter would be essentially a lame duck, and, um, you know, it would add, you know, it would cause him to have to maybe let him go next year to bring in someone he likes. But then if someone, if he does a good job next year, if they win a bunch next year, um, then Stearns has, is sort of in this weird rock and hard play situation. It's better to cut the cord now between 
the season right after they had a historic collapse in terms of, you know, being a hundred win team the season before. Um, it, it sucks, right? Like, like Buck genuinely seems to be a good guy, right? But he, I know some people will say that this, this isn't true, that there's plenty of older managers, but by and large, Buck Showalter specifically is a little behind the times, we'll say. Um, in terms of baseball, and and I personally found it very frustrating. We've talked about it on the on the show before. Um, to see him continue to run out the same relievers, and listen, it's not entirely his fault. But who was that guy? That guy they had. I'm thinking of that game. This is so specific. In June, when Beatty made that error. And Buck left the reliever in for, like, three batters too many. I remember I was in the car, screaming. Pull him. Ball gets grounded to Brett Beatty. And Brett Beatty's new, and he didn't have a great year. So, And he's not the world's greatest third baseman. He made an error. Run scored. They lost the game. And I remember after the game, Buck didn't take any, any sort of responsibility on himself. He didn't even have to do it in a way that threw the reliever under the bus and say, oh, well... Uh, you know, I, I could have made some different decisions and maybe, you know, or even just, you know, that's the way things go. He kind of threw Brett Beatty under the bus. And, and to do that to a young guy, to a young player in his first full season in the major leagues is not great. Um, you know, and he just, bullpen management wasn't great. Um, uh, I mean, pitching management in general wasn't great. Leaving guys out there for, for one, two, three more batters than he should um, you know, it, 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 he wasn't, you can't put all of the season on him, but at the same time, you can't sit there and say, well, you know, that's just, they, they needed to perform better. They need to be put in a better position to perform. And if we listen to Tommy Pham's comments a few years, a few weeks ago about how they were the least, um, least hardworking team he'd ever been with in a way, yes, that falls on the players to work harder. But that also kind of sounds almost like he was starting to lose the clubhouse if whoever in the clubhouse, the Tommy fam, didn't think was working hard enough. Buck needs to be motivating them for that. And he did a great job last year of motivating players. Still wasn't a very good tactical manager, but it was a situation where everyone bought in. And I don't think everyone bought in this year. Um, so, uh, listen... It sucks for Buck, and he he's started out in his press conference saying, "I'm you know," because they they gave him an option. They said resign or be fired, and he basically said that he didn't. He he when Scherzer got traded, Scherzer said he was afraid that the guys would think he, that he was quitting on them, and he didn't want to feel that way either. Showalter, so he decided to be fired instead. I believe was the terminology here that they used. It it's tough, but. There's a lot of interesting options out there. Um, I think the most prominent one is Craig Council. You know, Craig Council is in the final final year of his contract with the Brewers, and now the Brewers he can't leave the Brewers until they're done. They're in the playoffs, um, but I don't expect them to make it very very far. I mean, anything can happen. It's baseball, but I don't expect that they be you know, a team like the Dodgers or the Braves, which would spell them leaving probably before the NLCS. So that's always an option. Um, 
I, I think every time one of these kicks up, Carlos Beltran's name gets kicked back into the mix. And I think that's an intriguing option. I'm so, I'm someone who, when they announced Beltran as the manager the first time, that made me genuinely emotional. He was, growing up, he was one of, if not my favorite player um, of that era. Because he didn't really have a ton of crossover with the Mike Piazza era. So it was like Piazza, then Beltran for me. Um, and to see him in the jersey again made me genuinely, genuinely sort of overflowed with joy. And then everything happened with the Astros, and and I get why they let him go. I again, <laughs> every time you talk about the Astros cheating, I have to recommend to the umpteenth degree um, the book "Winning Fixes Everything" by Evan Drellich. Genuinely, I read that right after it came out. I kind of I requested it from my library, and I guess it was I had it on request for so long that they kind of got peer pressured into buying it and putting it on the shelf, and then giving it directly to me. Um, it, it's such a great book and it's sort of it doesn't just look at the astros it looks at the the entire system and then let's let's move away from the astros thing and get back to to business here um so you know he he's probably gonna be a name that's on people's lips i mean uh joe espada i feel like comes up every single time um they're they're probably gonna interview eric chavez although i i can't anticipate that happens because if you do that, you're kind of just keeping the same buck group, you know, and that that feels kind of weird. Um, Bob Melvin might be free. I don't know that I want that. Um, it, it's there's a lot of interesting options out there. It could be someone we're not even looking at, a different bench coach somewhere, or some analyst, or Eduardo Perez. You know, it, it's there's so many interesting options here, and I think it brings up this this idea of hiring internally versus externally. And we've seen the Mets do both in recent years, right? We've seen the external hires of um, Mickey Calloway and uh, Buck Showalter um, and the internal hires of Luis Rojas. And if you want to say Carlos Beltran, I don't know, was he with? I don't remember if he was with the team at the time, like as an advisor. Um, none of those particularly worked out. But I think at this point for Stearns, in terms of the, I think in a vacuum, either or, whoever the best candidate is, right? Like, that's what you want. But I think in this scenario, with Stearns coming in and having to look at all the processes of, of the team and try and figure out the best way to move forward, I think external is probably a better bet. I think someone like a Craig Council, whoever else who isn't currently employed by the team, is better because I think there's a lot of issues with the Mets team processes that still have not been weeded out in the first three years of the Cohen ownership regime that I think getting someone with a different perspective in would help with. And, and you know, you could argue that Buck did that, but Buck also was going under the Cindy Alderson ideas or, or Billy Apple or whatever, but that's, he basically reported directly to Steve Cohen. If you're Stearns and you want your own guy, you want someone who doesn't have ties to all of this, which I think is why Council's been rumored very heavily, as, as well as he'll probably be the highest paid manager in baseball and who better to pay him the most than Steve Kong. I also think this raises a very interesting question about what Buck Showalter's legacy is with the Mets, because it's going to be a very complicated one. I read a very interesting article. I keep saying the word very. Um, I read an interesting article on The Athletic today, actually. It's the second. 
um, by Brick Garoli. Uh, fantastic. One of their best writers, in my opinion. And it was about how Buckshalter's um, legacy generally is very complicated, right? Because he's got all these wins. He's one of the, the most winningest managers or whatever in history, whatever his thing is. But he's very well-respected, a lot of wins, a lot of time. Generally, that gets you in, but he's never even won a pennant. He's never won a World Series. And the, the general tenor of his management style is very good in years one and or two then falls apart and gets fired before the end of the contract. And then usually, I mean, 50% of the time, this is true, the year after he gets fired, the team goes to the World Series. Uh, doesn't look great. Um, so where where does his legacy stand in general is one thing you, you would think just by number of wins and numbers of games managed, he should be a Hall of Fame manager. But again, he never did anything. Right? Like, really, really did anything. He hasn't won many playoff series. He, you know, and, and you can argue, well, how much does that matter? It matters, it matters some. If you're brought into good franchise after good franchise after good, fr- like, teams built with plenty of winning players, the mid to late 90s Yankees, um, or the early to mid 90s Yankees, right, as the, the core is coming together, those late 90s Diamondbacks, um, those mid 2000s Texas Rangers, the mid 2010 Baltimore Orioles with Manny Machado. There's and and this Met team that already had a good core when he before he even got here, season before he got here, had a good core. They added more players in free agency. They handed him what should have been a winner on a silver plate. First half of the season, great. Second half of 2022. Eh, last month, I've seen some people argue that that was not a collapse. That was a collapse, you know, because they they lose. Yes, oh yeah, they only lost because of that last series in Atlanta. If they lost like two or three more of those games in September, those Atlanta games don't matter, right? Like they got swept by the Cubs when the Cubs were complete ass. He's got to take some level of responsibility for that. In the same way that you can't put all of the success on him, but some of the success is on him. He can't take all the blame, but he has to take some of the blame there. And he was very good at coming into this situation where, and they also brought in players to help with this too, there were a lot of big egos that were having problems with each other, right? The 2021 season, you had... Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor fighting in the dug in the in the tunnel, right? Like that's sort of one of the enduring images of that year. the rat raccoon situation. Bringing him in, getting a level of buy-in, bringing in a level of of um, panache and professionalism helped build that franchise back up. But if it doesn't go anywhere. How good of a manager was he really, right? There's a, there's a lot of interesting questions here and a lot of a lot of a lot of thoughts to be thought, if you will, about where they've been and where they go from here. Now, in terms of where they go from here, today, Monday, October 2nd, um, the end of the Mets season and the end of everyone's regular season, they were officially allowed to announce 
the hiring of David Stearns. And they did this with a press conference that I genuinely thought was great. It was... We have to discuss how Steve Cohen looked during this thing. He shows up. I'm in the middle of doing something on my computer, so I don't look up for the first few seconds, but I'm listening. I look up, my first thought is, this man looks like he's been dragged backwards through a hedge. Like, his hair was weird. He may or may not have dyed it. It looked weird, like he didn't quite comb it. Has his... Not to not to hair shame here. Has his comb over been that pronounced and I just haven't noticed? Like, I don't have a problem with it, but he would, like, tilt his head down. I'm like, I thought I... Is he letting it grow too long is the issue? Because I feel like his hair's been shorter in the past. That's probably what I'm thinking of. Um, and his, he had the quarter zip over the polo shirt, and the quarter zip was, like, kind of half out of his jacket. The jacket looked like it didn't quite fit. He looked like he lost weight. I think that might have been part of the issue. He didn't look great. I think at one point he stood up, there's like a little stain on his quarter zip. I was like, what are we doing here, Steve? This is like the big moment for you. But anyway, uh, David Stearns comes in and you could tell how much it meant to him. You could, you could, you could see it on his face. You could hear it in his voice. He talked about, I mean, one of the best moments was when he said, this is my home, right? And this is, that's, any fan is going to love to hear it. It's the same thing when Steve Cohen bought the team. And it was, this is a lifelong Met fan. Th- this guy grew up a Met fan. And the fact that he used to, he used to sneak into Shea Stadium to see games. And, and he worked for the team for a little bit. And then the Will Ponds were like, we don't have the money to hire this low-level guy, which is hilarious. Um, bounced around the league and finally came home, if you will, is great. And for me, one of the comments that made me feel very emotional was when he said that it, that having his kids grow up Met fans was very special to him now because he has two kids, two young kids, and they're going to grow up to be Met fans because they're going to grow up around the Mets. And that's very special to him because they get to experience this journey together. And I I thought about the discussion we had on the show a couple weeks ago, the, the last show with Christian about fandom and, and how you know, it's sort of tied into our family. And it's true, you know, when you're, when you work in baseball now, if you're a baseball player, you might have grown up rooting for the Texas Rangers. And now you play for the Minnesota Twins. And, uh, you know, your kids are going to grow up Twins fans until you get traded or signed somewhere else. Or even if you spent, they're not going to have the same experience you did, even though they're family in the way that I do, where my grandfather was a Dodgers fan, became a Met fan, both my grandfathers, uh, both my parents grew up Met fans. I grew up a Met fan, right? And that's, that's special is to have that bond with, with your family. These are, these are the things that we bond over. So when he said that, I thought, wow, that, that's a great, that is a great, I like thought. And a great, like, lovely, lovely thought that he's just excited to have his kids grow up Mets fans now. Um, then he got into sort of the 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 team moving forward, um, sort of talking about building a sustainable franchise and and sort of building for now while not sacrificing the future, which is you know very interesting. The Mets notably have a much better farm system now than when the season began. Um, and a, and a few interesting young players and a few young players with um we've talked about with a few issues, but it, it's definitely an exciting time to be a Met fan. And that is, I remember 
one of the one of the reporters asked him like when do you when do you see the competitive window opening 2024 2025 and he literally went now like now is when it starts and i thought that was that was great that's exactly what my fans want to hear and they totally lied to Max Scherzer, as we said they might have. That, you know, not that he cares. He's in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, it was really great to hear that. And the idea of building a sustainable franchise without sacrificing the future. That leads to signing players like Shohei Otani, right? Because that's just costing you money. That's not about the future. Or... Trading for a young superstar and and extending him for ten years, four hundred million dollars, <laughs> Juan Soto. Uh, sort of looking at the future of the franchise as well as the present is great, and that's what the really great teams now do. That's what the Dodgers do, and the Braves do, um, and the Rays, and you know all these great teams that are very sustainable. The Orioles. You know, talk about a great team that's that's built themselves a sustainable uh, moment. And the Mets got all those prospects without having to tank, which is great, too. Like, they just, they were like, tank? No, nah, we'll just take the money. Um, and we'll see what they get in the draft pool this year. They did finish, I believe, seventh, which means that their odds aren't great for a top six pick. But they're they're not terrible, right? Um, and then the other thing that, that Stearns talked about, and this... This was something that every Met wanted to hear him talk about was the uh, the status of Pete Alonso and where he stands on Pete Alonso. He said that he believes he expects was the word he used. He expects Pete Alonso to be the opening day first baseman for the New York Mets. Um, I've always believed that that was going to be like his first really big move is going to be the Alonso extension because you can do that whenever. Like, they don't, it doesn't need to be free agency for him to sign Pete Alonso to an extension. He could do that tomorrow if he really wanted to. They know a number, right? That was the, that was the report that came out this week was that they were agreed on a number, not the amount of years. They know the number. All they have to do is get that years to a point where both sides are happy. And they're good to go. So, while not explicitly saying, and of course the, I expect him to be our opening day first base. And it leaves a little wiggle room should something occur. Um, I've always had hope that this was going to happen. And I think I have a little bit more hope that it's going to happen now. Um, but we're going to see, this is going to be a very fun time to be a New York Met fan. I don't think a ton of stuff is going to happen right at the gate. I mean, the lines of extension again could happen tomorrow, but I don't think you're going to see a ton of stuff right out the gate just because he's coming in right after the season ends. There's a postseason to play, so there's no real free agents. Um, Craig Council's still employed by the Brewers. Um, but these next few months are going to be a very fun time to be a Met fan, I believe. I could be wrong. <laughs> I hope I'm not. All right. Let's take a quick break. And we'll be back with a little bit more general baseball news. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and we're back. So in the second segment, um... I wanted to get a little bit more into baseball at large right now. I think there's been two, um, there were two stories I, I specifically was very interested in discussing on this show. Uh, the first one um, is a happy one. And that's that after everything that happened with the Angelos family in the city of Baltimore, Major League Baseball, um, the Orioles will be remaining in Baltimore. They have signed another 30-year lease with Camden Yards. Um, correct. <laughs> right? Like, that's just, like, correct. Good job. That's what you needed to do. Um, as always, I believe, um, my first thought on the Angelos family is fuck them. Um, they're just... The baseball team's great right now. I love the Orioles. They're... Honestly, in the in the playoffs this season, we'll talk about this a little bit later, um, they're my team. In the American League, at least. I would love for nothing more than a Dodgers-Orioles World Series. I think that'd be so fun. Um, but I think I think what's important here is that MLB and Rob Manford, for once, did the right thing in this scenario, basically telling John... Um, who's his son? John? Peter? I get, I get my asshole rich people mixed up all the time. John Angelos, um, who is leading the team. Uh that they basically told him when he said that he wanted to either get the um, get money from Baltimore to expand the ballpark or to leave. Rob Manfred and MLB basically told him, fuck you, you're not leaving Baltimore. Which is the right thing here, right? Because that, that forces John Angelos' hand. My thing with that was, was, when you look at Camden Yards, where the hell did he want to expand? There's nowhere around there. They're on the waterfront. What, is, what does he want? Right, because that was his thing. It wasn't, I want a new ballpark. It's, I want to expand the area around. Much like, you know, the the Braves did and the Patriots did and, and Cohen is is trying to do. But they did, the, they did the right thing here, which is not something you can say often for Rob Manfred. Um, the A's are just going to move from Oakland. And I... This creates an interesting thought experiment, if you will, that what do we do when a historical franchise, like in a city, wants to leave, right? The Orioles have been in Baltimore since, and I want to make sure I get this right, but it's been a long time. Um, The Orioles have been in Baltimore since, I'm surprised I don't know this off the top of my head, since 1954. So we're closing in on 80 years here, or 70 years here in in Baltimore. At what point is too long to let a team leave, right? Because the the Oakland Athletics have been in Oakland for a not significantly less amount of time than the Orioles have been. The Oakland's been in there since 1968, so they've been in there 65 years it's it's not a 
or 55 years. I can't do math. Um, <laughs> it's not an insignificant amount of time, but it is a decent chunk of time different. Why is it that the A's get to leave, but the Orioles don't, right? Now, this could all be market size and stuff like that, corporate greed. But at what point do we let the corporate greed destroy a fan base? Because how do you look at the Oakland fans and say, yeah, the team hasn't been here, like, this is not good enough for us to allow them to stay. But Baltimore's doing it way better than you guys. Um, I mean, the Rays just tried to pull the same thing. They At least they got a new stadium out of it. The Rays' plan was the one where they would split the year between um, Florida and Montreal, which I guess could still happen, although I assume it won't now that they got the new stadium. They're building the new stadium in St. Petersburg, which is confusing to me. Isn't the whole problem that no one in St. Petersburg goes to the stadium? Like, wouldn't you want to move it to actual Tampa Bay at large? Um, But the... Orioles get nothing out of this, other than just you're staying in Baltimore at the place that you're in now. Um, So why is it that the Orioles can't leave, but go ahead, Oakland? I'll always feel sad for those Oakland fans. And, I mean, that vote happens soon, and I would love it if a few of the owners basically told him to go fuck himself, because those... That plan has absolutely no actual plan to it. Um, But I expect that it'll get approved and they'll be in Vegas in the next, you know, however many years that takes. Um, Where they play after next year is really interesting to me because I don't... The stadium's not going to be built until 2027, but I'm... Or 2026, 2027, and I'm pretty sure the A's lease at at, at the stadium is done after 2024. And after everything that happened, does that... Does... Does the Coliseum allow Oakland to rent again, or do they have to find somewhere else? That that's gonna be a fascinating thing to watch. Um, the other issue in baseball this week that I'd like to discuss, and this one hems a little bit closer to our um, original mission statement, if you will, for this podcast, um, is the Hector Neris Julio Rodriguez issue. Um essentially the the cold hard facts that we know from watching the video is that big game between Mariners and the Astros both of them are buying for the postseason Nerys gets an out finishes the inning walks towards the Mariners dugout yells something at Julio Rodriguez everyone gets mad I think the bench is cleared now what's interesting here is that that in prior years, Julio Rodriguez and Hector Neris have been very close friends. They've worked they worked together during 2020, I believe, and um, they've spoke about how close they've been. Hector Neris, whatever he said, made Julio Rodriguez very mad, and they asked Eugenio Suarez of the Seattle Mariners what it was if he heard it, that Nerys shouted, and Suarez says that he yelled in Spanish, a gay slur. Nerys denies this. Nerys says that that did not happen. Uh, I would never say that. My mother raised me to love everyone. I didn't say that. Eugenio Suarez says he said it. 
when asked for comment on what Julio on on what Julio Rodriguez heard, if that's if that's what Nary said, Julio said, essentially paraphrasing, no comment, but I will never speak to him again. If Nary's just shouted something that wasn't that bad, you know, if if he called him some sort of curse. Something, you know, bitch, whatever, something like that. Julio probably wouldn't be that mad, right? Julio Rodriguez, we've talked about on this podcast before, um, is, is in terms of, like, in the, like, the spectrum of the league, um, not the actual outside world, but in, in the actual league itself, he's one of the players who's worn the pride shirts, he's, uh, you know, sort of leaving, leading this young youth movement and, and being sort of a, an ally in that sense. His girlfriend's also a soccer player on a team that I know for a fact employs numerous members of the community. Um, and I'm sure they're her friends, and I'm sure that he has gotten to know them. Uh, just, just generally, that's how human relationships tend to work. You, at some point, meet your partner's co-workers even not as like i don't think that he's out here like chilling with megan rapino but i'm sure he's like met her once or twice he's went to a game or something um i mean she was just at the mariner stadium anyway tangent because he won't say what it is people are using this as a as a way to say see suarez just lied it's not that i think what you have to do here is read between the lines right if it's making him this angry, it's not something that's kind of lighter. This is going to be something terrible, right? And I think this also brings into focus an issue we've talked about multiple times on the show that it is so difficult for male athletes to come out while they're playing because the environments are so filled with toxic machismo where these guys will say stuff like this even if in their heart of hearts they think oh i don't believe that but it's you can say that right Naries can say he was raised to love everyone but these platitudes don't mean anything if your actions if what you're yelling if what you're saying is something completely different and I think it, I think we need to have a very, I think there's to be a clear discussion within the league about this. And and if, I'm sure they're conducting an a investigation, there may or may not be a suspension handed down. I, I know, I think Kevin Pillar said something a few years ago, and he was actually suspended by the Blue Jays who he played for by the time, at the time, which I thought was, was like great that like the team actually took the initiative there. Um, but these things cannot happen. If you're going to sit there and you're going to say, well, we want to be accepting of everyone. We want everyone to feel comfortable at, at a baseball game, right? Which is what these 29 Pride Nights, um, excluding the Texas Rangers, say. But those are team-sponsored events. Now, the Astros aren't the Rangers, so they have a Pride Night. So who knows what their take on this is? As we know, Jim Crane, um, not particularly the best guy. Um, so I wouldn't expect him to do a ton of uh, a ton of great 
stuff here. I, I don't expect him to follow the Blue Jays' lead there. Um, and the the league doesn't really value putting themselves out there for this issue, as we remember from when uh, MLB basically discussed the Pride Night and said, like, we don't want teams to do rainbow jerseys anymore um, because we don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. You know what makes me feel uncomfortable? Is the idea that not only... Do I have to sit there and wonder, does X player on my team not like me simply because of my sexuality? But that I might hear a slur about my community used as an insult, a slur, directed towards someone else by a player on the team. That makes me fucking uncomfortable, you know? I've heard I've heard slurs in the stands. I heard I don't I don't think I've ever discussed this on the show before. I heard someone use the F slur on the concourse on the main level of City Field on Pride Night of 2021. That was an interesting game to hear that. Like, why are you even here? Like, don't this should be the one game you're not trying to get to, you know? And that made me genuinely uncomfortable. And it was a night that was supposed to be special. And for like the last two innings or three innings of the last game, because it was a doubleheader, I felt uncomfortable. And the last two years at City Field have been great. I haven't heard a single thing. And I've sat in largely the same area, you know, and, and of course it's one or two people and not everyone's going to be like that. But these are the issues we have to confront. And I think... I think it's it's difficult and it's going to be tough to get buy-in from the league and from players on this. But at the same time, you can't keep letting this happen. It's just, it's unacceptable. And it's, you're going to drive fans away if players do stuff like this, right? Because... I'm going to tell you, a lot of people are probably going to remember who the players are who say stuff like this. I know Kevin Pillar said it. Uh, pretty sure I remember George Springer saying it. I like George Springer, and I, I think he actually genuinely has put in work, which is nice, if I'm remembering correctly. Hector Neri said it. Um, we know what those Rays players said. They didn't even need to say a slur. They just, they just did the slur of actions. Um It just sucks, right? It sucks to see an athlete. I don't root for the Astros. Only time I root for the Astros is if I really hate the team they're playing in the World Series. 2021. You better believe I root for the Astros against the, the Braves. Um, Who did they face last year? Phillies? I, I kind of liked that Phillies team. Like, I didn't like the Phillies, but, like, I kind of liked that team. So I was, like, kind of in the middle there. But, like... Otherwise, I don't I don't root for the Astros, but I mean we've talked about this issue with Brooks Raley. That makes me very uncomfortable. Right? Or the other night, me and the the original night that Daniel Murphy was supposed to throw out the first pitch because he threw it out on the 30th. He was supposed to throw it out the 29th. Uh, we had tickets to that game. It got postponed. But I spent since seeing that like from the second I saw that he was throwing out the first pitch at a game I was going to, 
I spent every day after that trying to figure out how and when I could get away and go hide in the bathroom so people wouldn't see me not clapping for this franchise hero. Because I still remember what he said, and that stuff still hurts, you know? It's just, it. we continue to do this. As much as I love what the Mets are doing most of the time, I mean, they're welcoming Murphy back, but on a larger issue, they keep welcoming Jose Reyes back to the ballpark. It, teams have to get better on this. You can't just wash away issues like this because they're a great player, right? Because this, this is, we, we talk about this in all walks of life. But if a person is really good at their job, just because they're famous and they're really good at their job, if this guy, if Hector, if, if Hector Neres or Daniel Murphy was like really, really good at um, putting out displays at Target, right? Like, they are just artists. They're Picassos of doing that, of arranging the blankets and the the chairs and making it look gorgeous. And then they're at work and they're, like, saying slurs at people. You wouldn't keep them on, right? But as soon as the money grows and the visibility grows, then you say, well, we can't. We can't do this to this guy. Why? In fact, in that situation, I think the consequences should be bigger. I think that we sh- that if you're able to get to that point, you should then be able to be accountable for stuff like that to a higher degree, right? Now, I'm not saying Hector Neri should never play baseball again, right? I don't know. I, I assume they find him. I don't remember what the actual punishments are for stuff like this. They should find him and suspend him for a period of games. And I think that it shouldn't just be one or two. I think to weed this issue out and large in the league, you need to create an outsized punishment now. Hector Naris is a very pretty good reliever i believe on the astros suspend it for 10 games and include the postseason in that i assume they would but include the postseason in that guess what buddy you might have just fucked your team's playoff chances you know what you're never gonna say again anyway i feel like i've rambled on that long enough so we're gonna take a break and then when we come back we're gonna finish up with the final act of our show uh, with some playoff discussion and movie discussion Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. So, I'm curious for a Met fan, from a Met fan perspective. These playoffs are weird because the Mets aren't in them, so we have to choose who we're going to root for. Now, I think, I think I speak for everyone here when I say I'm not rooting for the Braves, right? I don't care how good Ronald Acuna is. I'm not rooting for the Braves. But I'm probably not rooting for the Phillies either, unless like something terrible happens. Phillies, Braves, I probably root for the Phillies in that instant. Who do we root for? Now, I personally, whenever the Mets aren't in the playoffs, and I know this makes me sound like a bandwagoner, but I do actually genuinely like pretty much all the team, um, especially now that Trevor Bauer's not there, uh, the Dodgers. I always root for the Dodgers. Um, Mookie Betts. I want Mookie Betts to win a million ranks, and that's why I root for them every single year. Um, And for us, as the Flushing is Burning community here, um, we now have one of our own with the Dodgers, with Christian, and I think, you know, you support, it'll be like rooting for Flushing is Burning a little bit, wouldn't it? Um, I also love my American League team. I mentioned this before, the Baltimore Orioles. I love them. I think they're fun. I love Adley. Uh, Gunner's great. Cedric Mullins, I did, when you saw the three original players, who is it Mullins, Santander, and Hayes, I believe, hugging, and, and basically, like, they made it through the rebuild. They didn't get sent away. That's great. They went from this terrible team to 101 team, basically because Adley Rutschman showed up and just changed the culture. It's fantastic. Um, I like the Twins. The Twins The twins are going to have a really interesting postseason here, right? Because they're not great this year. But the Yankees aren't there. They might make it all the way. <laughs> we have no proof. That they can be beaten by anyone other than the Yankees. The Yankees aren't there. They win the whole fucking thing, you know? Um, And then on the the National League side, um, the Marlins. That could be an interesting choice. There there are rivals, in air quotes again, but, like, (laughs) they're almost never there. And uh, first woman GM to make it to the postseason. That's cool. Jazz Chisholm is... Or as Keith so lovely referred, so lovingly referred to him early in the year, Chaz Jism. Um, he's one of the most exciting players in baseball. Luisa Reyes hits everything in sight. Uh, David Robertson, former Met. Um, the Brewers have a former Met in Marcana. We love Marcana here. Should we be rooting for the Brewers? I like Corbin Burns. I like Christian. I love Christian Yelich. I'm always rooting for him to get back to MVP status. I love Christian Yelich. It's like my favorite type of baseball player. Wiry hits a million home runs. Is so fast. That's that's like the ideal. It's platonic ideal baseball player. It's a guy who looks like a string bean and then launches them. I mean, also that might have to do with the, the juiced balls in the years that he played. But still, who cares? He still hits home runs. Um, I mean, if we're talking about former Mets too, let's let's just backtrack a little bit. The Dodgers have Ahmed Rosario. Who <laughs> could have seen that coming? Not me. I'm going to tell you right now. That is so funny to me. Um, I'm trying to think. Do they have any other Mets on the on the Dodgers? I don't believe so. Uh, the Orioles, I don't think, have a former Met on their team. 
the twins. I mean, you could count Carlos Correa, right? Um, the Rangers. We're talking former rooting for former Mets. They've got like a whole team of Mets, and they did like the classic Met thing of like being in first place for 150 days and then the the just dropping it at the end of the year. But like. You got Scherzer, whose arm is destroyed and won't be pitching at the playoffs, probably. You got Jacob DeGrom, who definitely won't be pitching in the playoffs. Um, do they still have Travis Jankowski? Um, yeah. You know, if you want to root for for Justin Verlander, then the Astros. Um, but uh, again, that's like an emergency choice for me. Although, I might get a little bit of flack for this. I still love Jose Altuve. If you read win- Winning Faces Everything, I mean, of course, he could have said something, right? But they all could have. Um, he didn't like that system, so he didn't use it. So my... it's Jose Altuve, somewhat innocent, right? Um, yeah, I mean, we're gonna... We'll talk playoffs. Now that the... Now that the Mets are out of it, I mean, I kind of assume the next few weeks will probably be relatively quiet in Metland. Um... So we'll probably get into a lot of a lot of uh, playoff baseball chat, and if the the Liberty are in the finals of the WNBA, I haven't talked about that in a few weeks. Um, if they win, that week's podcast is going to be entirely about the Liberty. I don't think I'll get another word in, and quite frankly, it might be an hour of me crying. First finals since since two thousand and two. Now that is. A, the New York Met style statistic, right? Um, let's let's finish things up with um, classic flushing is burning tradition. Movie minute, my movie minute. Um, it's October second. It is officially Halloween season, which means that it is officially time for horror movies. So I'm going to start out a little light here, a little bit of light. Halloween fair for me. Uh, I'm going to try and keep my Halloween choices a little bit lighter because I know I love a horror movie, but I also look at it through a different lens, right? Like the stuff that might scare you, I think, like, how did they do that? And it completely does not make these movies scary to me at all. One of my favorite horror movies of recent years is it came out last year. Little movie, not a lot of people saw it. I went and saw it. I was expecting decent things because I liked everyone involved. And I left in love with this movie to the point that I dressed up as one of the characters for Halloween. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Now, we're going through a bit of... I think this is the third Rachel Sennett movie I have um, recommended on the show. Uh, It is... It's a slasher in the way that, like... Scream is a slasher, but a little bit funnier than that, you know? Um, it's bloody. It's a mystery. It's like, um, it's almost like an and then there were none situation where someone dies. We got to figure out who did it. And then, oh, people keep dying. Um, Rachel Sennett delivers about a hundred of the funniest lines I've ever heard. Amanda Stenberg is great. Um, Maria Bakalova. I never saw the second Borat movie because I still haven't seen the first one. Um, but she's great in that movie. Just the entire cast. Pete Davidson. My beloved Pete Davidson. Uh, he's in it. He's great. It's so funny. Right? Like, it is this... It's like a premiere comedy. And I think what's so smart about it is because it's so funny, 
you kind of forget that you're trying to figure out what's going on. So, like, personally, right, I'm laughing so hard in the theater that the ending catches me by surprise. Because I didn't see it coming because I was having such a good time laughing at these jokes. And it, it, it has something to say on class and on sexuality and, and uh, Lee Pace as a vet. And I'm not going to tell you what kind of vet. Um, it's, it's genuinely such an underrated film, I think. Because I see a lot of people talk about it like it's like fine. I, I think it's genius. I it I mean it came out last year. Regular rotation for me. So in theater, I think I saw it like two or three times once I got home. I like like once it came out on Blu-ray, I'm just obsessed with this movie. And I quite frankly cannot wait to watch it. Might try to watch it in the next couple days. It it's it's that good. Um so yeah. It's, I just checked, it's streaming on Showtime, um, which now also comes with Paramount Plus. If you have Showtime, like I do, I still haven't made the switch. Or if you have Paramount Plus with Showtime, if you have made the switch, um, you can find it there. Uh, it's also available to rent, I think it's like four bucks, like most slightly older movies that you rent are. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's like a tight 90 minutes. It's funny. A little scary, but not too much. Um, and it's like a great continuing murder mystery. It really does, like sitting here thinking about it now, it does very much in terms of structure remind me of, and then there were none if there was like half the amount of people in it. Um, also a great final line. Great final line. All right. Thank you for joining me. Um, this is, this is, this is such a this is such a fun time, and it, I think this is the best time for this podcast, honestly. Now because the Met season is over, which is terrible to say, but it's true. Um, so the next the next few weeks might be a little slow, just because there's not going to be a ton of actual stuff going on other than the playoffs. But then once we get into that off season, I think that this I think this show is going to be popping, right? Um, yeah. So thank you for joining. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at FIBpod, uh, on Instagram at Flushing is Burning Pod, or you can send us an email. I keep saying us and we. I'm never going to stop doing that. I need you to know. It, it's burned into my memory now. Uh, you can send us an email at FlushingIsBurning at gmail.com. Um, I also highly recommend you subscribe to the Patreon, where you get exclusive access to our Discord server. Uh, I'm trying to be a little more active on there. Uh, not always working. Life does get in the way sometimes, but it's a great place to connect with other people. And it also, by subscribing to the Patreon, allows you access to other exclusive episodes, only for Patreon subscribers. And um, you get other fun stuff involving the lovely people across the podcasting world that we have created at Home Run Applesauce. Um, like our friends at from Complex to Queens, uh, at a pod of their own, and the numerous other shows. Today, your love. Tomorrow, oh, what's that? Brian and and Chris are gonna kill me for not knowing the name of the show. Right? I'm literally going to send. I'm gonna email this to Brian, and I don't even know that that's bad. 
can we blame this on like a blow to the head today your love tomorrow the world series um yeah it's it's it is the place to be if you like a baseball podcast um, especially if you like ones hosted by people who are much better at doing them than I am, which I'm not saying that to, to rag on myself. I'm only saying that because they have much more experience than I do. Um, so thank you. If you are listening this along, God bless you. And uh, let's go Mets.